When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to Sports and Things, a weekly podcast where we go in depth on sports and music topics of the week. Featuring John Lane, Trey Ely, Jay Hill, and host Dennis Turner. Welcome everybody to Sports and Things. I'm your host Dennis Turner. With me, I have my man Jay Hill and Trey Ely. Uh, John was with us a little earlier, but he's having some technical difficulties, so he will be joining us a little later. Uh, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing? What up? What's going on, man? Chilling, chilling. This is the sports podcast where we talk about all things sports. We are musicians who love sports. And apparently dogs as well. <laughs> yeah, so, man. Dogs love sports. Dogs love sports. With that being dogs said, let's get into our first subject. The Wizards. Uh, we'll talk about local sports first, and then we'll get into, like, the national news. Wizards um, get the number nine pick in the draft today. Uh, your thoughts on the, on the draft? I'll start with Jay Hill. Do um, you think this is a significant pick for us as Wizards fans? you think we're going to get somebody significant to come in and possibly contribute to the team or do they trade their pick for a possible, you know, somebody else like that might be able to come in and be efficient immediately. You know, I don't think they trade it. I think, um, I just think this draft is not really stacked as everybody thinks. Like after you get past like four or five, you got like a bunch of really average people. Um, Rui still hasn't really made his mark as far as like it was worth, you know, drafting him so high. So I think, I think you, you just get another body. I don't, cause I don't think you are really going to get much for the number nine. Like it, it's, it is possible cause it's still in the top 10 lottery pick plus there's money involved in, in the nine slot. So you got to pay a little more. So right, right, sure. we don't even know, you know, what's going to be left on the board as well as uh, what the money looks like, because we got a lot of money tied up. So. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the wall contract is is one of those things that you can't get away from. And when you got new players coming in, and you got, you're got you not in the top five picks, like you said, it's, it's a very interesting place to be in, because do you do you just draft a body in hopes that you can, you can build a player up? Or, you know, do you trade? Do you try to trade that pick for something more substantial? Because they're, um, def- yeah, they're definitely not draft- – you're not drafting a cornerstone piece at number nine. Sure. 
You know, you're not drafting somebody you're going to build a team around at number nine. You're drafting a supporting player. So it's right, just right. a matter of who's left. Uh, we got a lot of needs, mostly in the um, in the front court. So it just depends on who's left. Fair. Trey, um, your thoughts? Yeah, so um, the X factor, I guess it's not really an X factor anymore um, nowadays, but the um, the overseas players, um, we haven't seen them play over here yet. So, I mean, I don't know if it, either of you follow uh, foreign basketball. I don't. So that's always with the uh, NBA. There's always a draft for all these names of people you haven't heard of uh, due to the overseas talent that are people who are, you know, I mean, there's countless stars from, you know, various other countries. Yes, so sure. that's out there. So we, yeah. for all we know, we could be getting landing somebody that's pretty darn good um, at that number nine pick. It's just we just haven't heard of them yet because they haven't played over here in the states. Even with that, um, what so. happens is when they draft overseas, you know, they do that whole they draft the right race to so and so, but they can stay overseas. So we still might not it's even a couple see years. Them. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it could be a couple of years. years. We really yep. drafting the name right now. We don't even know when we'll see him in a uniform. That's annoying. Like that's real. Yeah, I never really understood that because I figured, like, if you're over there, if you get drafted to the NBA, wouldn't you want to come over here and start making yeah. NBA money? Yep. But apparently, um, it doesn't work like that. There's a so, delay. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, uh, it's it's interesting, like, at the end of the day, the top five picks are the ones that are going to have the most immediate effect, whether they are bust or they make an imprint. So at number nine, you know, it's just, it's just like you hope you're kind of, you're kind of rolling the dice and hoping that you're getting somebody that can come in and contribute, but more than likely you're getting somebody that you can, it's like a developmental player that you can kind of add and kind of like bring along, you know, around the way. They could be drafted number nine and go straight to the G League. Like, okay. yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you, like, you put them in there. It's not bad, but damn. Like, what was Rui? Rui was like eight, right? Yeah, Rui was eight. He didn't fall yeah, that far, so, but then we got, mean, got Schofield, which kind of, which which he still hasn't really done anything worth his his high draft pick as well. Like he was drafted pretty high for now. I'm not gonna say no reason, but he just hasn't shown that he was worth what they drafted him at. He'd been back and forth yeah. between the the the, uh, the G League team and the the actual Wizards. So we'll see. Well, yeah, I mean it's just that the whole draft has shifted over the years to potential. They drafted players from over. They drafted a lot more unknowns because they're you're trying to find that talent. Um, the players are younger. They're coming out after one year of college, um, as well as the overseas that I mentioned earlier. And um, so there's a lot of unknowns. You're drafting on 100% potential where uh, – well, not maybe – maybe not 100%, but but more so on potential. Whereas back in the day, man, it used to be if, uh, if there was a lottery pick, they were expected to be a star. You know, everybody who was a lottery pick, you was expected to get a star. Yeah. Um, now it's like – you have somebody who's the potential of being a star, but you're gonna have to develop them, and we'll see what happens. I think the last the last draft class that was like an like a a top tier draft class was the, the class that LeBron and Melo were in. That's the that's one of the the highly touted draft classes of all time, you know. And it's like it, it's rare that you get a draft class to what like the top ten or the top fifteen are like quality players that are gonna come in and make an imprint immediately on 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 the game. And not anymore. It's like now it's like I'm looking at the top 
10 uh, players right now. You know, a lot of them are one and dones. And, you know, what do you have, you know, you don't have the, the real to kind of like say you're going to come in and make an imprint or are you even going to play, you know, like, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how these teams pick when the, and the draft actually comes around and who picks who. And then you'll kind of have a, a sense of who's going to play immediately. Who's going to have an opportunity to make an imprint. Who's going to go to the D league, you know, who, who's going to, you know, cause like now, especially with the NBA being all kind of like topsy turvy, the summer league, when is that supposed to happen now? Like when are you going to do the summer league? Cause the summer league is, yeah. <laughs> it's everything's up in the air. So like, yeah. we don't even know when the next season is going to start, you know? That's so it's like, help develop your player too. That's somebody helps develop your, your draft pick. Yeah. And it, it also gives people opportunity to see what he can actually, what they can actually do on the court. So <laughs> against other pros at that point, you know, other pros are like people that are developing. So like you yeah. don't have a summer league. We don't know when the summer league starts rather. And, yeah. you know, we don't know what kind of season we're going to have next year uh, with the NBA because, they're still playing well into almost the fall at this point. You know, normally they would be on break and then the summer league would be going on right now. So it's just, it's just a lot of questions that we don't have answers to. And we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. We just hope that with the nine, the nine pick, the Wizards pick, they, they pick uh, optimistically. I hope that they pick a good pick that will come in and be able to contribute and put up some decent numbers and just be an overall good fit for the team. Um, that being said, yeah, hope, <laughs> hope with a the, with a C first. Hope. <laughs> uh, with that being said, um, we move on to football. Washington football team hired President Jason Wright, um, former player. So I want to get your thoughts on on the hire because I know he's been getting a little like a little backlash about the hire and, and you know about him being a, you know a, a black president on a football team that is under a lot of scrutiny recently. Um, Trey, your thoughts on the hire? Hey, it looks like a great hire. Um, uh, I saw an interview from him. Um, I didn't really follow him much as a player when he played for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I really wasn't aware of his actual football uh, career. Uh, but um, as far as um, his, his resume, his accolades, um and his his business accomplishments, he he he's you know from the game of football, you know legitimately played the game, and then he has the uh, uh, the experience um, leading and working in, in leadership positions in in Fortune 500 companies and stuff like that. So he's uh, definitely um, definitely qualified. Um, I hated to see people in the media. You know, first thing they say, the Redskins just hired him because he was black. And uh, I mean, like, um, you know, I guess you can expect some of that. But I saw a black analyst like Keyshawn Johnson um, saying that. And I'm like, why do we need to add that? We, meaning black people, need to add that stigma uh, to it. Um, He got the job. He's qualified for it. Like, we want people of color to get jobs because they're qualified for it and to be equal. So when it happens, you got to act like it was supposed to happen and not, Oh, he only got it because like, right. That, that, that kind of, I, I didn't appreciate that. Right. Uh, and then, you know, you're he's, always going to have that. Yeah. He's the first, he's the first black NFL team president and youngest. And youngest. He's 38 years old and he has an yeah. NBA bro. Like, <laughs> like, he worked. He worked for several years 
at his job, like as a consultant, like he's qualified to run the company. Like he's he's more than qualified. Like you take out his football, take off his football resume. If you add his football resume, it just makes it even more qualified because he's been around. He's been a player. He he knows how players think. He knows he knows how to make moves as a player, but he also has the business acumen to come in and say what needs to be done from a business standpoint. I think it's like meshing of the best of the two worlds. I don't, I mean, he, he's, he just, he's black. Great. But at the end of the day, like he's qualified, he's a qualified person and he fits all the requirements that are needed to do the job. Like take out the fact that, you know, that he's black and then just look at his resume. Like if you just saw his name on paper and you saw what he accomplished, you hire him based on that. And if he happens to be black, you know, that's cool. But like, don't, don't punish the dude because he's black. You know what I'm saying? I don't like, think, but I don't think it's a punishment more so as he, he, he basically walked into a tornado. Like you walked into this storm. If yeah. the Detroit Lions hired him, it'd be like, Oh nice. Detroit got the first black, you know, young, blah, blah, blah. If anybody else, but the Redskins right now have so much turmoil from like they hired a the woman and it was like, oh, that's interesting. The first, the female, huh? You know, it's like they're trying to overcompensate for uh, to to deflect from we don't have a name yet. Or but is it if it, is it overcompensation when you hire somebody that's qualified? It's not, it's not overcompensation even even to hire her. That's not overcompensation, but that's how it's going to be scrutinized as like well, we got to do all this extra stuff now because they keep focusing on what's our name or we need to change the name or now we're doing that, but let's give them something else to talk about. Oh, look, we hired a woman. Oh, look, we hired a black guy. Oh, look, you know, you, you just want to, you want to get different storylines. So that way you can end 2020 with not only was the Redskins paused, uh, was the name changed, but it was like, <laughs> but it was like, like, uh, Oh, they did a lot of first in the, in the like, backside of it just to like they you know they they put new people that should have been already hired for who who knows what team you know what i mean yeah but if you if you really think about the way that they're handling their business they're not doing anything different from any top any fortune 500 company that would get into any kind of screen they are like they they fire the people who caused the trouble they other people resign they let those people buy out whatever contracts they have and then they get somebody else in there they appoint somebody else super quick that's going to spin the story and 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 steer the narrative so like they're not doing anything different from any other company like they run it like and i think the hire regardless of his color or what you know i think the hire is a smart hire like you hire somebody who's going to come in there with yeah, the business acumen you hire the coach you know you hire the communications director and then you hire the president. Those three hires change the narrative of what's been going on with your franchise immediately. You know what I'm saying? So it makes sense to just, yeah. and, you, and you're hiring strong candidates. Like you're not just picking people like they normally would pick people to just kind of be in there and just kind of fill spots. So how we feel like Snyder can still maneuver himself. Like he's hiring people and it seems like he's seemingly getting out the way. Like he's hiring people who are going to come in there change the culture, change the dynamic of how things run. And we'll, I mean, time will tell how that works out for everybody. But at the, at right now it's looking like they're hiring the right, they're making the right hires to change the, the, the toxic. Re, re, uh, rep, uh, I said, what's the word I'm looking for? The, my phone's ringing. Oh, hold on. Change the toxic, like rep, uh, environment, just like the environment. Yeah. 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 And it's like, it's just it just makes it just makes sense at this point. Mm-hmm. So um 
I, I think we got John back. John, if I don't know if John can hear us or not. Can you say something, John? <laughs> That's a no. You want to no, know he it? can't say anything yet. Okay. I'm afraid to. No, you're good. Okay. Thank God. And there he is. <laughs> All right. So um moving on. We just we I mean, congratulations to Jason Wright. We hope that he does a good job. Um I'm I'm hoping that he does a good job. Um and then, you know, we only time will tell. But like at this point, all the hires at the Redskins. Oh, jeez, <laughs> I did it too. Ah, yeah. all the hires that the Washington Football Team have made have seemed to be. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, ain't my, it ain't my squad, so I ain't, I ain't got no. I ain't I mean, got your oh. squad, your squad is hyping over your quarterback throwing completed passes in preseason. So I mean, in uh, yeah. in training camp, I don't care about that big head fuck. Imagine. <laughs> So, um, your quarterback so yeah. went to school with the domestic violence. Uh, oh, we ain't got that. <laughs> oh my god, we we're going there. So, uh, with with John leading the way, uh, more allegations <laughs> against uh, former Washington Football Team running back guys uh, have have spurred um, in the last week, and it just seems like a story that's just kind of like getting out of hand at this point. Like you have reporters saying that. You know, he made threats, <laughs> you know, about them and or to them rather. And um, it just it just seems like they dodged a heck of a bullet with this cut. Um, since we have John, John, you want to give us your thoughts on uh, the stories, the allegations that are coming out about guys and, you know, what this means, I guess, for his future. Uh, I can't say what it means for his future only because, uh, you know, he hasn't been convicted. Uh, you know, there are allegations right now. So, um, but I can tell you that he will get picked up by another team. I just don't know how far his career is going to go based on his maturity. Uh, there have been several players who have said that he lacks maturity, even in, at the college level. And uh, and they saw this as he was coming into the pros. And we've seen it. We've, we've seen it firsthand. I can't really tell you um, what his future holds. I know it's probably going to be difficult for him in, in the next few years, especially if he does get a convict career. Well, so yeah, yeah, and he's he's it's he's, like it's like you said that you know Dan Dan Snyder got rid of the toxicity and you know hiring Jason Wright, you know they 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 had to get rid of him. He was injury prone anyway. Injury there's no prone. sense in keeping. Yeah. There's no sense in keeping somebody that keeps getting injured. You know, aka Jason Jason Reed. Um, and that took like ten years. Jo- I mean Jordan Reed. Sorry, <laughs> Jordan Reed. Yeah. So better late than never. But uh, yeah, all that to say, I, I really don't know what it means. All I can say is, who's going to be the <laughs> first round pick coming up next year for for the Washington Football Team? Hopefully, a running back. Well, yeah, and, and you also have to add the fact that he is only twenty three years old. So if he gets if he gets cleared of any allegations or any accusations, what team would be willing to take a risk on somebody with the reputation of? Right being immature uh, i mean but you really have to take into consideration that he's only 23 years old right so like he is still a young guy i mean rg3 was young there's a lot of I mean, all Andrew of them Luck are young, young. yeah mean, all these, of them are young 
they're all young, but crazy. I, I, I don't, I don't. Time, and I bet you somebody would still pick him up. I bet you. Oh he yeah, time. he's gonna get picked up. Oh yeah, I mean, like if he clear, if he clears the allegations. No, no, no. Is, I'm saying he could be, he could get time, like he could get convicted of something, and I bet you somebody would pick him up. If he get with domestic violence, though. This is true. No, not that's true. Not with the position the NFL is taking with domestic violence. The Ray Rice got cut off. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, I think aside from the domestic violence, though, he's he's injury prone, and he hasn't shown when even when he was playing, he hasn't shown he's not worth it. He's not not worth the money. Yeah, he's not not worth the money. He's lucky she didn't hit him back because he would have been injured for another season. Yo, moving on. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Go see yourself out. Yikes, man. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, well, I'm not I, I'm not a fan of men who hit women, so I'm not going to be easy on them. Real. No, I, real. I hear you. Uh, I'm not. I agree 100%. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Uh, uh, wait, I need to take a second. All right, cool, we go. <laughs> uh, Alex Smith. <laughs> Quarterback Alex Smith has begun practicing with the team, and he said that his real test will come after he takes a hit. Now, I don't know how you guys feel. I will say that I don't personally want a to hit see from Darius guys. <laughs> oh no, no! A hit where? Oh uh, no! <laughs> On the back of the neck? <laughs> like me personally, I don't, I don't, I don't particularly care to see him get hit after 17 surgeries in a year. Like, nah, bro. I've seen, no. him, I've seen him working out with the team this week. He, that leg braces, you know, and he's moving and they're, they're all optimistic. They say he's moving and he looks like he did prior to. Um, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, I don't really, I, I think I share, I think me and Trey share this, the same sentiment when we say he should be immediately going to like a coaching position on the team. Like, yeah, don't, don't cut him. Just just move him over, put him in like a four string QB or something like that. Where he becomes like a like a basically like a QB coach and just kind of coaches yeah. up the young guys. But now they're talking like he has a position to actually play for the starting position. So I'm like, like you're gonna put him in the game as a starter and just just kind of like roll the dice because they're not hitting you know right now. They're not hitting, especially not hitting quarterbacks, you know. Uh, but hold on, man. Did you see the video when he walked outside with his family to celebrate that he was back or whatever? Yeah, yeah so he don't he he's not even walking normal, man. Like I, I, I just it just bothers me. Like I, I just want to see. I, I want the guy's recovery. I'm happy for that. That he can that you know physically he he's capable. But I think that at this point he's had a great career, and I think that there's stuff more important than football. And I wish Alex Smith and honestly Jordan Reed would both be retired and not out there risking their lives for this game. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, he he he's 15, 16 years into the league. Like he's guaranteed to get the money that he was going to get anyway. Like it's not a money thing. I think it's a pride thing. But like at some point, somebody has to step in and say, look, bro, like you your pride is one thing, but like your health, like you won't be able to walk straight in about 15, 20 years. You're like, you're not going to be able to, you're going to have to have assistant in walking. So like, and what does this mean for um, Haskins? Like, what does this mean for Dwayne Haskins? Like he was, here's here's what I think, man. This is Haskins job to lose. 
Bingo. Um, yep. Because if Alex Smith, he he would definitely be the comeback story of the century. Oh my God! Yes. If he actually becomes a starter, this would be and this he would be, survives the yeah. first quarter of the season. This would be he this would be, would be more more important than when uh, Peyton Manning came back off the neck injury. Like this would be like absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Like yeah. the dude broke his neck, but we talking yeah. about the dude almost lost his leg, and he's a quarterback. Yeah. All of that position is based on your footwork a lot of times. Like, mm-hmm. man, I, I don't know, bro. I'm, I'm weird. This is I'm Haskins' job, different types man. of shock he went into where he almost died. Yeah. You have to take into consideration what they've done to these quarterbacks, RG3 and Kirk Cousins. Um, and uh, who's the guy that we got from Minnesota? Chase. Uh, oh, uh, um, uh, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. I can't think of his uh, name. Ch- uh, Chase Keenum? Case Chase Keenum. Keenum. Yeah. Chase Keenum, yeah. yeah. I mean, what we've done to these quarterbacks, it, ha- it really has to stop. We, treat, we really mistreated RG3. We, uh, we fucked yeah. up the situation with Kirk Cousins. We can't fuck this up. No, you can't. This is this is oh, Haskins' job to lose. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. written. It's written on the wall. Yeah, Haskins is a young kid. He's got an arm. He's got extreme potential. There were times where he looked really, really good, but he was horribly coached. Now he's got a fantastic coach. He's got a better offensive line. He's got some wide receivers. He's got a he's got a Hall of Fame running back behind him, and he's got a stout defense that he can play with. Like, it's written on the wall. Why yeah. would you put a veteran who's been traded from two other teams who has a broken leg, broke, like snapped in half? Why would you put him back on the field? I don't care how much money you pay him. Yeah. Why would yeah. you put him on the field? It's written Man, yeah, on the if, wall. If they were talking Kyle Allen, okay, you can have that conversation. But Alex Smith? And this guy, man, yeah. he, you know, he, he just really doesn't need to be on a football field, man. Like, it, that's just – And if he's you got lifetime damage. I don't think he'll ever really be recover. 100% off yeah, of that. Yeah, no. Nah. And if, yeah. if you consider his age, he's 36 years old. He's been in the league over 10 years at this point. His last season as a – oh, well, I could say as a Redskin because he was playing as a Redskin at that point. His last season with Washington – he did before he got injured. He was at he threw ten touchdowns and five interceptions, um, twenty twenty one hundred yards. But he was managing the game. He wasn't like a force. Like he wasn't the force in the game. He was managing. I used to call him um what I John I used to call him um King Checkdown because he would always check the ball down. Like he would never throw the ball. He would check the ball down all the time. So it's like you don't need if you're trying to if you're trying to build your team up. You're trying to build like your your nucleus of the new kids coming in, like I mean, wow. but I'm always supposed to put a fire under Haskins. You you can't I mean you wanna you want him to play with some like yeah. uh, anybody behind me. They ain't never gonna bench me. No you do won't. want him to know that there's somebody else in that kill quarterback room that can do the job. Yeah, yeah but at the end of the day, like the like John said, the writing's on the wall. You can just go back three, four years and look at what they did to Kirk Cousins and what they did to Robert Griffin. They have no issue with getting rid of players that don't produce or who who they don't value. They have they have no what 
with that well, being said, with different different the situations coach. were different. Yeah, different. Robert coach. Griffin, they they played him injured when they shouldn't have. Right. You know that was the thing with him. Which is what we're about uh, to do with Alex. Listen, yeah. the same story, right? Same scenario. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not the starter. That's also different. But he was the starter oh, before he got he injured. He was the starter. So do you give him his job back because he was technically the starter? Yeah. No. He's yeah. playing. He's playing for his job too, right? Both of them are playing for the job. No, he's At playing this point. For yeah. I didn't even what? think about it like that. That is exactly what they did to RG three. Exactly what he did, and never taught that boy how to slide. And where is he at now? He is a Raven, but he was he was with the Browns, and he didn't do well there. Like, and then he's with the Ravens as well, a backup. RG three is not a starter. He's not a starter anymore because he's he's a running he he's a running quarterback who can't run anymore, and he can't slide. So, you know, you can't put him in the game because he he'll mess up something else on his body. So it's like it just doesn't make sense to to risk it on Alex when you got Dwayne Haskins taking all this preparation to become the quarterback of the future. Like you don't even need to rush. Haskins at this point but you definitely don't need to rush back Alex you don't even need to play Alex at this point like the story like you said Trey the comeback story is enough at this point like it's 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 an adequate story like we all get it like it's amazing like Like, let him like seriously put him on the roster and let him go out there and take a knee at the end of a game or something like that everybody cheer for him and then you know he he came back yeah but if you you put him if you keep him on if you keep him on the roster he's scheduled to make $23 $23 million this year. <laughs> so, like, you're losing. And there ain't, ain't no difference in what they did with Albert Hainsworth and uh, Adam Archuleta. They paid all them cats all that money, and they didn't even stay. They didn't even fulfill their contract. Yeah. Ain't no different. It's it's just. It's, you know. I saw yeah. that look that, uh, I saw that look that Trey and Jay Hill gave me about five minutes ago. Y'all must have got that alert. Uh, what yeah. alert? The uh, caps, capitals. Mm-hmm. They out. They got that. They got their asses kicked. Yeah, they're out for nothing. Got it. Um. All right. So we all in agreement that Alex shouldn't play, and that Haskins should be the starter. With that being said, we can move on to another subject. And then, so we we who should start in New England then? Because you know the con- the quarterback controversy that's brewing in New England. It's also there's no controversy. There's no controversy. There's definitely controversy. The media is having a controversy. You've got you've got a former MVP and a dude who's never played football before. Four snaps. No. (laughs) Took four snaps. I mean, we know who can start. Belichick. Belichick is famous for turning, uh, you know. Grocery, you know, grocery baggers and whatever, you know, pool, you know, pool uh, jockeys into players, not stars, but what? into players. So, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? He take hey, and you just bagged my groceries, son? What was that previous occupation there? You bagged my groceries, right? Come yeah. on, you can play football. You, you can play football. 6'4", 6'4", 240. He's never done it this at quarterback. Is this is different, man. You're not going, you're not chancing that. You let again. This is Cam's job to lose. Yeah, it is Cam's yeah. job to lose. No, I there think is, I, there's no there's no controversy. There's no controversy there. I mean, the media wants it to be a controversy, but they, I don't believe that they're trying to spin it to like where he's doing like a quarterback carousel, basically. No. And I'm like, but you got Cam. No. Like, why not just use the weapon that you have and then just kind of like develop the 
other weapons. Just like later. the Washington football team. You got Haskins, so why not just use that cat? Well, the New England's different, man. They love to keep people guessing. They don't want you to know what they're doing. That's the only so thing. if the media is going to start talking some stupid mess about a quarterback rotation, Belichick's going to feed it just to let them be all off base and telling people bad information. I'll put you. I'll put you. I put you in the warm up just to make them think. I don't know if Cam is starting tonight because I haven't seen him come out the tunnel yet. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and I think the narrative that they they're getting the equal amount of reps is like it kind of like spins that wheel a little bit. Like yeah. you giving you giving uh, Cam the same amount of reps as the dude that you probably wouldn't start. Like, and the dude. I'm that, pretty that, sure. Is that it? I was gonna say I'm pretty sure in New England, Brady was listed as questionable for like every game of his whole career All there. Right. They would list him on the on the on the you know questionable list every they're not, night. Look, they're not even gonna have Cam on the roster. Every game. <laughs> Cam on show up on the roster as the nurse. <laughs> oh, you know, you know the nurse can suit up, right? If we don't have enough quarterbacks, the nurse can suit up. And he just come out with number one in like a stethoscope. <laughs> it's like, I got it, bro. That's the team doctor? The yeah. Team, team doctor back. also plays quarterback. It's cool. Like, all right. So moving on to the next subject. We got the NBA playoffs starting. Um, the series are looking pretty interesting. Bucks tied the series today. Uh Rockets went up two. Uh, Miami's up two. Raptors up two. Mavs tied the series. One up. Jazz tied the series. And Celtics go up two. Now, with that being said, my question to you guys is, and I'll start with Jay Hill, which duo goes the furthest in the NBA playoffs this year? Oh, wow. With the asterisk that Russ isn't, Russell Westbrook isn't playing right now. So that duo is kind of like um, – I think it is LA. Um, I mean, you know, that that's like the easy out, but I would actually say the Mavs more more so look like they might be more dangerous. Like like Doncic, you just can't I mean it's it's hard to defend this dude. This dude got the what was what did he just break a, a record for? Like the most points by a rookie in the first two playoff games. Yeah, he had always oh, something like seventy points. Like, like come on man, like he he is He's the ultimate facilitator. He just doesn't play um, like bully ball, but he can finesse the hell out of you. So I think it's I think it's the Mavs, man. You think it's the Mavs? I think so. You got the Mavs going where to the finals? Man, I'm just saying. (laughs) Not saying, but I'm saying. (laughs) <laughs> they can, hey they man, can make I did trouble. say Doncic could be an MVP. He oh, could God. be, but he needs other players. He he needs um, Porzingis. Dude, he needs Porzingis, Porzingis to put Porzingis up numbers. Is a poor man's AD. <laughs> Porzingis is a poor man's AD. Yep, I said it. And I mean, and and like the only thing he's he's missing is he just not he doesn't have the aggression. That that most NBA players have, but that's because he's got the European tag on him, so they don't play like that as much as as much as uh, we do here. But he's starting to find his groove, man. He he can be real nasty, especially with Doncic like feeding him the ball like in these in these sweet spots, and it's like, all right, you ain't got to do much work. Or here, you can have it at the block and cross this dude up and take him. That's what he'll do. So I mean, it's it's it, they're nasty, man. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know about going to the finals. I think they'll go pretty far. Maybe like second, maybe semi. But I ain't got them going. And, and, and just to add, you said that Porzingis is a poor man's uh, AD. He signed a deal for five years for $158 million. That ain't that poor. <laughs> like, he's, he's good. He's making like $28 uh, like, million a year. Oh, <laughs> so, I'm not speaking pocket-wise. You're just thinking like in terms of like play. I got you. I got you. Yeah. And, I mean, him coming off the injury that he had as well and him, him exactly. his, slow, his slow build back and, you know. Until, Not being utilized correctly in, in New York system. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I get that. Um, uh, Trey, your duo? Uh, um, uh, let's see. So team-wise, I like uh, – in the West, I like the, uh, the Rockets. Um, and I mean, the Mavs are cool, but I don't think they make it that deep. Um, the, the Rockets and the Clippers. Um, so the, the Westbrook, cause he'll be back Westbrook and Harden, that team, especially with the, all the supporting cast they have, they can also put up points. Um, and then the, uh, the Clippers, um, that's a good defensive team. And, you know, the old adage, the defense wins championships. Sure. Um, so you got PG and uh, Kawhi, um, all defensive players there. Uh, Patrick Beverly's also a great defensive player on the perimeter. So, um, I mean, the, the, the challenge that they would run into is uh, matching up with a team that's large, you know, as far as uh, 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 in the paint. Like an AD or somebody like that, because they're that's their weak spot. Is is kind of uh, the big guys, but so um, there. And then in the East, I like uh, Toronto um, and Boston. Uh, except I did like Boston. I guess they had that huge injury to uh, Gordon Hayward, so that kind of changes things a bit. But not um, really. Mm. Not really. Like yeah, he's I'm, a role player that they're missing. He's a role player that they're missing. You missed you you missed that seventeen a game, but I, I think I think they get past it. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. What I'm saying is you miss it, but you can supplement it. Like you can supplement it. Like you're not gonna give it to Marcus Smart. You're just gonna have Tatum and Brown take more shots during the game. Like and that's you know Tatum had thirty three last night. It's also minutes too, though, man. It's also minutes. I, I listen. Uh, you know what? And also to just to like um, Jay, you said you had the Mavs going pretty deep. I personally don't have the Mavs really getting past the Clippers. Like yesterday's game uh, was interesting because Patrick Beverly didn't play and PG got in foul trouble early. Now, if you have Beverly in the game and you have a, a functioning like Paul George, yeah. you know yeah. it's it's a different ball game. You know what I'm saying? It's like so. I don't know about them going, getting too far. I, I think that series is going to go to six or seven, but I, I don't even have them getting out the first round personally. You know, I think they will wow. struggle against the Clippers when the Clippers are hitting on all cylinders because you have, you have Paul George and you have Kawhi. Like, and like, like Trey said, it's a defensive-minded team. So, like, they shut, those, they shut down Luka and you have to rely on Porzingis to get you buckets. I'll, t- I'll take 30 from Porzingis if I shut down Luka. You know what I'm saying? And then take my chances there with the players that I have in the Clippers. Um, you know, I, that's, just, that's just how I see it. But, you know, I just, I just can't see them really making a really deep run against any other team in, in the West. Like, they are 
they have the potential to be good down the line. You add one or two more pieces to that team. But right now, it's like they're winning. They won that game because of the mishaps on the Clippers side. Personally, I think, you know, Luke is dope. Luke is going to be an all-star. He's going to be a great player for years to come, barring any injury. And same with Porzingis. Like, but at the same time, I don't think they have enough pieces to get past the teams that they got to face in the West to get to the finals, you know, let alone get past the, the first round. Um, Trey, were you finished talking, Trey? I, I think I might have interjected into your, uh, your, your picks. Oh, no, man. It was a great discussion. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, – yeah, I mean, that's where I was ending, um, kind of, you know, in the East. We skip back over to the West, but the East, um, you know, I, I like Toronto over there um, in the East. Um, and we had, we had started talking about the Celtics, which I, I think, you know, Toronto in the East, man, I, I don't I don't think that the Bucks are a seven-game series type of team. Uh, I think that they, you know, Giannis is, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from him, but um, if you have a team that you can game plan against and just focus on that one team for, uh, you know, a week or two, um, you just find a way to let Giannis get his, but you still, uh, you know, <laughs> manage the rest of the game. I, I think teams can beat them uh, oh, when, yeah. they're, when um, they're starting to match up against, uh, you know, uh, those, you know, better teams. So uh, I don't know that the Bucks make it to the finals, dude. I don't know. I don't, I don't, um, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. See, and it's interesting because like I had the Raptors like, like, who do you consider the Raptors top two to be or they do it to be? Like, because Van Vliet is putting up numbers. Like, he's balling out. And, I mean, yeah, well, Siakam, Siakam is, is balling default, up. Right? Yeah, is he yeah. default? And, and then you got Van Kyle Lowry. Vliet. Yeah. Van so, Vliet. <laughs> and you got Kyle Lowry. Van Vliet is, is – he's pretty clutch. I mean, as the pressure turns up, it seems that he turns up right with it. So, yeah. um, I might expect to see a big playoffs from him. Yeah, so um, it's like – I, you know, I'm almost in agreement. I, I've been saying the same thing for the last couple of weeks. If you shut down, if you shut down uh, Giannis, if you let Giannis, or you let John Giannis go, but you shut down the rest of the team, who else do they really have? Like Chris Middleton isn't showing up right now. Uh, Eric Bledsoe isn't showing up right now. Really, like the numbers they're putting up are like not playoff contending numbers. So like you let Giannis get his, and then you just shut down everybody else. But I'll take Giannis for 33. 10 and uh, six a game. If it means that everybody else gets shut down and we win by seven or eight game points a game, like, and then you win the series, you close the series out. Um, so that, I mean, John, your, your thoughts. Yeah. The East is tough for me. Um, but I think the underdog is going to be the heat. I think the heat yeah. are going to give a, uh, the East a run for their money in the Eastern conference semifinals. But I think ultimately the Raptors are going to win the East and go back to the finals. I agree with Trey. I don't think the Bucs um, – I don't think they, they, they have it this year. I think there's just a, a piece that's missing. Um, well, well, so, let, me, let me ask this question, though. So with Giannis coming up on a contract year, next year will be – he'll be after the season next year, whenever that season starts and ends, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. If you don't win this year and you struggle next year, do you, as as Giannis, do you even stay in Milwaukee? 
at that point. Like, if they don't put the pieces, we don't know what pieces they're going to be able to put around him next year. But, like, do you stay in a small market like Milwaukee or do you uproot and go somewhere else where you can be in a bigger market, maybe team up with another player or two that will kind of heighten your chances of becoming a champion? Because after a certain amount of years, you're not playing for the stature. Like, you're playing for a championship. He's been in the league seven years now. So, like, at what at some point is going to be about I need to win a championship because championships define players, not money, not stats. It's how many championships can you win during your tenure on any said team? So do you think if he, he stays? Make, if, if he doesn't make the finals by the time his contract ends, he's going somewhere else. He's going to want to go somewhere else yeah. because that means you know that Tesla? the scouters are not doing their job and trying to find pieces to put around him to try to try to win and get to the finals. I think he'll get to the finals before his contract ends, but I don't think he'll win. And ultimately he'll, he'll, he'll want to leave. He'll want to go, I don't know, Houston. He'll want to go. I don't think so. Who knows? LA. He's not built like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, built you know how Tesla, Tesla makes self-driving cars and that was a self-answering question. Um, <laughs> You know, in today's NBA, um, with that whole uh, – with them, these guys are texting and calling each other. Somebody, you know, as his contract's coming to an end, his boys are hitting him up, like, come play with me. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I stay in a small market town like Milwaukee where he's getting, you know, less exposure than he could be getting in a big city, which means less outside deals, right? His, his deals outside of the basketball court are, are – I mean, he's an NBA player, so of course he's got the exposure, but being in a better market makes all of that stuff bigger. Um, and they're going to be, you know, his buddies are calling him to come play with them and just, you know, why stay there? Why stay there and not win? Yeah, I, my, my point exactly. Why would you stay in a market and stay on a team that they're not like – I mean, Chris Middleton's supposed to be his, his Robin or his Pippin at that point. But Chris Middleton clearly isn't – while he's putting up decent numbers, he's not putting up numbers that will substantiate him actually being a threat for them to go deep into the playoffs. Um, and like you said, I, me personally, I think I agree with John. I don't have them getting past the Raptors. When, you, when, you, when all is said and done, I think the Raptors might be the strongest team coming out of the East. And then right after the Raptors, I think it might be the Heat in terms of how they play defense. And how yeah. how the, the that fight they have in them, that dog fight they have in them, like Jimmy Butler going to that team saves that franchise. Like I think he he say he's the face of that franchise, not based on the way that he puts up points, but based on the grit that he plays with and the the the, the fight that he plays with. So and you st- you instill that into all your teammates, you become the Detroit Pistons of now, basically. You know, it's that's like that's why Giannis isn't going anywhere. Jan, they will do everything in their power to keep Giannis because it's the same thing Sacramento's going through. Y'all don't have any names there because you didn't do – it's a small market and, like, they've been about to lose their team for I don't know how many years now. Milwaukee's the same way. Like, they, the only thing they can hang on to is uh, Lou Alcindor and not even Kareem. But, so Jay, we gonna what get can they do? We're going to get rid of Middleton. You tell us what you need. We'll work on it. Yeah, but like, tell you, me, then you're, say, at this then point, you're, what can they do? Yeah, I'm like, then you're relying on 
a pool of free agents being willing you to might, come to Milwaukee. Well, no, you're relying on a lot of stuff. Like, you don't know what kind of trade packages show up two years from now or a year from now. We just don't know. You know, there's no – there is no way to predict. Like, yo, I never would have thought so-and-so would have ended up in Milwaukee. But I don't see him going to play with anybody. That's not his – that's not his mindset. He doesn't – he's not that friendly guy. You know what I mean? Like, that's his that's, – that's how he's always – like carried himself like, nah, I'm not going to be friends with these dudes. Well, I don't want to be friends with these dudes. I don't hang out with these dudes. Yeah, I, but- can't, I can't have that edge on the court. If we're friends, I don't, I don't, we, we can be cool, but I'm not going to be friends. No, nah, I'm not going on no damn banana boat trip with y'all. Fuck y'all. You know what I mean? Like, but I, that's not the, his MO. Here's the question though. When your contract is up and we're talking, you'll be season eight, season nine into your contract. Oh, into your into your professional career, which means, I don't. I, how old is Porzingis now? He's got to be like over twenty five. So yeah, he's like twenty seven. Yeah, so two 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 years from now, you'll be twenty nine, going on thirty. You're starting on the downside of your career as a player, mm-hmm. you know, and what you can get for your max contract. Now, now the thing the thing that works in his favor is that Milwaukee can always offer or match the offer the max offer that anybody else would give him, but. At the same time, if you don't have enough pieces around you to keep somebody like a star player like that, what would be the incentive for him to stay? Just a chip on his shoulder? Because, like I said before, after a while, it becomes about winning a championship. And if you can put the pieces around me to help me win a championship, why wouldn't he leave? You know what I'm saying? If they're not, if, they, if, if let's say if the, I don't know, like the New Jersey Nets offer him a contract. To go play with the, mm-hmm. to go play with Kyrie and to go play with Durant and like it instantly bumps up the East team that that team to be a immediate championship contender. But I'm not about to. But in my opinion, with him, I'm not about to share the ball with these two dudes. I'm never gonna. I'm never really gonna see the ball. If I'm playing with Durant and Irving, and I know that's just one scenario, like I don't see him going anywhere. Like I see you bringing me somebody that can be my Robin. Not I'm not I'm not trying to be Batman and Superman on a team. I'm trying to literally I'm trying to make it happen here in Milwaukee. Obviously, you got to do a little more, you know, with with these uh, with managing this money to get me somebody to help us. But you know, I'm trying to give y'all a chance. Not saying that he's gonna stay, or not saying that he had he'll have no desire to leave. I just don't see it as, yo, let me go play with PG and 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 uh, Kawhi, because you know, I mean, it, it'll be. I feel like it'll be a shift all the way around. He might leave Milwaukee because somebody leaves something else. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you open the void. Durant leaves leaves the Nets. I'll go to the Nets. You know what I mean? Like that's the setup. It's not gonna be. I'm gonna play with so and so. He'll leave that market because somebody opened the door for him to be a star somewhere else, not to join another star. Okay. I mean, I, I, I think the tables are, are split down the middle with this uh, potential Giannis story. We, we, we really won't know how it plays out. We have another year yeah. of him playing before we even get to a point where his contract is even up. And, you know, those stories can spin a spiral out of control based on, you know, just to how the, the media spins stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, we, we'll see. I just think, I think it's interesting that uh, at the end of the day, he's, he's, he's on a team that had so much, uh, put, had the positioning of being like the team to come out of the East. And now it's looking like 
you have some formidable teams that can actually test that theory and give them a run for their money. Like, I mean, namely the, the Raptors, the Celtics and the heat, you know, and if you have those contenders coming out of the East, which is a pretty, in terms of like East and West, they're pretty weak uh, conference in terms of like uh, how they, how they're positioned. It, it just seems like, like, I don't think he'll go run to the West necessarily, but I think he will go somewhere if it comes down to it. And they say, oh, we wrapped up in this Middleton contract because we're paying him 100 plus $30 million a year. And, you know, Eric Bledsoe's here and we gave you pieces to make you to make your team. You couldn't make it work. You know, oh, we have to tell us what else we need. Like, you're going to have to offshoot Middleton's contract. And how are you going to do that when you wrapped him up for five years? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's – what are you going to do? thing Washington is going through right now. That's what I'm saying. But he's not yeah. wrapped up. So he's not – he in a, in, a, in a position where you're a primetime player and yeah. you're not wrapped up, why wouldn't you leave? Yeah. If you know that everybody else is wrapped up into these contracts and that was the team that they banked on getting them to the finals and potentially win them a championship. Um. So, yeah, we, we, we had that. And also, so – to go into another team that has some issues, the 76ers. Oof. Are they done? We got to talk about them. Yeah, we got to. T- <laughs> oh, we don't have to, John. I agree with John. <laughs> Trust the process. So, anyway, um, how about uh, they were done before they got score, started, you know? man? I mean, listen, I, no, my question is simple. Are they done? They've never been a team. Yes. Are they done? Yes, they've never been a team. They've never been a team. Like, they've always yeah. been. They've always been, will Ben Simmons develop this? Embiid wants the ball more. Embiid, mm-hmm. he wants more minutes. He wants this. Oh, he's, he's sitting this game out because he's hurt. He, they've never been a team. Like, I think they've been exposed. I think they're very, they're very exposed like, for what they, what they so really are. exposed for two years then. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm not in disagreement. I, I totally agree. I, never, I thought they should have broke that team up two, three years ago when they were, when they were having these discussions, when they were questioning – uh, ben Simmons is shot, and you know, MB's leadership. I was like, break them niggas up, like, <laughs> like this, yeah. they, they done, you know. So it's like, you know, like, yeah, they never, they haven't, they have not had any team concept since Embiid has been there. That's the that's the biggest issue. So okay, well, here's the question, then, and we can we can we can answer this real quick, and then move on. Who goes, Embiid or Simmons? Embiid, I think Embiid, Embiid. I'm not sure. So it depends on money. I don't know what their contract stats situation is there. I'm no money's going to play into that, right? Uh, sure. Like if, who, yeah. whose contract you can offload? Like who? Who's right. the distraction? Because you can't. You know, it's not as easy to get rid of everybody. And getting rid of certain people, if you can get rid of them, creates better situations. So there's going to be, you know, financial motivation to move somebody uh, more so than others. Well, okay. Uh, Embiid signed a. Uh, Five-year, $148 million extension. Yep. So he's not going anywhere. Yeah, so it's hard to get rid of that because nobody wants that, especially for Embiid. Hulu has live sports. So oh, 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 okay, okay. So <laughs> Bede signed five-year, $185 million. Ben Simmons signed a five-year, $170 million extension. Yeah. So who right. goes? I think Embiid goes, man. Uh, um but, how? but who can he's you trade not. at this point? We build you know, a, we build around Simmons rather than we build around. We've tried this. We've tried this build around and be 
scenario. We've tried this. That's how, that's how I feel like a lot of, a lot of the, the, the fans from Philly are looking at it. Like, we've been trying to build around this dude. We gave you this. We gave you this. We gave you this, this nice 6'9 point guard that, you know, he can, he can facilitate. He, we already knew Simmons can facilitate. But you're not even playing long enough. Or you're hurt. And he's injured. Or, I'm about to say, and he's injured. So that's what I'm saying. Or, or you want to just play at the top of the key, like you're not seven one. What are you doing right now? You know, it's just a lot of like we don't. You don't fit Philly's mindset, or like their their city, like their city mindset or their team mindset. To me, at least. Okay. I mean, yeah. I I, I just it's it's hard to offload those contracts with teams, like. It ain't hard, man. I mean, I, it's not hard, but you have to get somebody to take the NB contract. Somebody, or somebody contract. like somebody will take Wall's contract if the if the scenario was was right. Somebody will take his his contract. Yeah, there's a lot of money. I mean, only negative is again same thing. He coming down to the down the downturn of his career. But somebody if he balls out next year, somebody will be asking, "Hey, do y'all want to let y'all veteran go?" Well, what you got? Hmm, maybe we will take three pieces for him. You know, I, it, I don't have anybody taking contract. that wall contract, bro. It's like <laughs> if he balls out, if he balls out, dog. If he, man, if he returns to all star caliber form, like especially in the East, like maybe he, like maybe he really does get his like twenty and and ten or whatever, twenty five and ten, maybe. Come on, man, you got you gotta you gotta see people trying to see yo. Are y'all still really trying to I, keep? I can, honestly, I can honestly see them restructuring before they, they, they get rid of them. Like, yeah, I don't he, think the Wizards want to get – I don't think Tommy Shepard wants to get rid of Wall or Bill. I don't think, I don't think he does, yeah. but I'm yeah. just saying. You he might have to. He still, might have to. Listen. But if you, if you restructure the contract to where he takes most of his money in the back end, like, he's, like you said, he's – how old is Ball now? He's like 30, so he probably has a good six years left playing, six, seven years playing in the league. You restructure his contract so he gets a lot of his money in the back end. That way you free up a lot of cash space for teams to come in now. And it's like, you know, or for teams to pick up players now. Like, I think restructuring his deal would be the smartest thing they can try to do. Now, will he go along with that is the question. And then will he go along with it? Or if he doesn't go along with it, will he ask to be traded because of the restructuring uh, conversation? But if if he wants to retire a wizard, and he wants to try to get a playoff run or see how deep he can get with Bill in play, you know, first he has to come back and play. That's the main thing. He's been out for two years, so he has to come back and actually put up numbers and play. Yeah, so nobody sh- knows what he's going to do. Exactly. And, and then if he, can't, if he can't do that, then we're talking restructuring anyway because, like, if he doesn't come back and put up numbers, they're going to try to offload that contract. Like you said, they're going to they're gonna trade – for four or five players that just get him out of there. They'd probably do a two, three, uh, two, three team trade to try to get him out of his contract to free up some money on the back end or free up some money on the front end for the Wizards. So everything's based on or everything's contingent on the way that he plays next year. Now, but that, that just goes to say, like we're talking about the 76ers. You have two max contracts on players who seemingly – aren't going anywhere. Like they, where are they going to go? Like they signed five year extensions. Like, like what do you do with those contracts? Like there's a team you, that wants them. There's a, there's a team that wants one of them. Tell I don't know who it is, but some, someone will pay top dollar. And B would fit he, would fit. he would fit better. Yeah. Yeah. He's just not a East. He's just not an Eastern 
like the Rockets. Yeah, man. yeah. He's, I mean, if he if he went to the Rockets, their their chances to win a championship go up because you don't you're not requiring him to be the person. You just require him to be right. in the paint, and then and like you can feed him the ball, and, and he could shoot the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not, for at, sure. a high, not, not at a high clip as Harden and everybody else, but if we need you to bang one, you will. Come on, man. And you can rebound. We don't have anybody to rebound because PJ is our center. Come on now. Right. Yeah, and <laughs> like, 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 legit. Like you, you, you solidified him in the paint because right now the Rockets are winning games playing small ball. So like, if you mm-hmm. add an Embiid, he just has too much. The problem with Embiid, to be honest with you, he just has too much of a point guard mentality. He has too much of a guard mentality. For his size, for his for his like stature, he just really, you know, I want to bring the ball up. I want to shoot the J. Like dog, if you don't take this little dude and dunk on his head, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing right now, man? Right, right, right. He play. He just plays soft. All right. Well, so we'll have to wait and see how that story plays out as well. We, I, you know, they're down two in against the Celtics. I don't have them win them a game. So you know, we'll see what Game Three does for them. Game four, um, if they get pat, if they get a win, I would be actually I'd be surprised if they got a win against the Celtics the way the Celtics are playing right now and the way that they are in turn playing against the Celtics. So we'll just have to wait and see how that story plays out in the following weeks. Um, leading to our next story, can Dame help the Blazers win this series? Now, without giving any insight on what the game is going on currently. Do you guys think that Dame playing the way that he's playing, which is balling out? I think he got MVP at a bubble. Like, he's putting up amazing numbers. But do you think his play alone, with a little help from C.J. McCullough, you know, but the way that he ignites his team, especially in the fourth quarter, um, that is enough to get them past the Lakers first, and then secondly, deep into the playoffs, possibly the finals of the Western Conference Finals. I'll ask, I'll start with John. I say yes because of the addition of Carmelo Anthony and how he coming off the bench. Um, and Dame is a facilitator now. He's, he, his, his role has become that of someone who wants to spread the ball around and he doesn't want to do it all himself. So, um, you know, the fact that most of the starting five can play, but then you got players coming off the bench who are doing their jobs too. Um, they're doing a great job defensively. I think they're a very good defensive team, much like the Heat. Um, I have the Portland Trailblazers going to the WCF. Um, I guess who? I don't know yet. I think this is their year. The last two, three years, they've just come up short. But I think this is their year. Okay. Uh, Trey? Um, I think they're going to give the Lakers a hard time, but I, I honestly don't believe that they will win the series. Um, I think that what they, they will do is they will um, – the Portland Trailblazers will – um, serve as the team that exposes the Lakers um, for their weaknesses and how they can be overcome in a series by the way they play them and how you know how hard they push them. And I think that some another team down the line will capitalize on it. Um, so I don't think the Blazers are going to put the Lakers out, but I think the Blazers are going to set the Lakers up to get put out later. 
Um, I don't think um, I don't think that's correct. Only because L.A. was not playing as L.A. You know, like they weren't they weren't playing the 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 team. They weren't playing like the team that they know they can or should be playing like. So the Blazers just got them kind of while they weren't even focused. But now that they focus, is Dame is not enough. Like Dame is not enough and he will never be enough. Like you you definitely need more pieces to even to even crack the surface of the Lakers because they, they have way too much height. Uh, and way too many scores for real, for real. But everybody, of course, has to hit buckets. That's why you play the game. So, I mean, if you got somebody that's willing to, you know, drop 30 when they averaging like 11, that'll throw the whole thing off. So, but Portland just, they they don't have enough. Yeah, I th- I, you know, yeah. I, th- I think I'm in agreement with Jay <laughs> and, and, and Trey to an extent. Like, I think the, the Lakers – um, I think they have too many weapons when the weapons start clicking. Now, like, you know, uh, prior to um, – prior, I guess prior to the season going into COVID, Lakers were the top seed in the West. They were playing like the top seed in the West. And it's taken everybody a little bit of time in this quarantine bubble to kind of get mm-hmm. their chemistry back. Now, mm-hmm. C.J. McCullough – is not enough, you know, all the pieces that the, I mean, Carmelo Anthony is a comeback story that we all love to talk about. Cause he, yep. he was, he was counted out and you know, all he did was he kept working. And when he, as he kept working, it just, it just made sense that he, um he was able to, you know, bounce back and improve that he could put up the numbers that needed to be put up in order for him to like be considered an all-star or just a star in the league still. Like he's 17. He has the same amount of numbers in the league as LeBron and he's still an asset to any team that would have him. That being said, I don't think that he's enough to, to balance out against the Lakers. And if you really look at the numbers, like um, this past season, you know, the Lakers have beat them two times out of three in the regular season, you know, even before they went into the bubble. So it's like, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, this regular season, I, I just feel like Dame is is on another level right now, um, and he's his mind, his mind is so open. Yeah, but you know that's I mean? that's just Dame though. Like, what about everybody else? Like, it's well, one thing. Like it's one thing follow, for Dame. They're, they're following suit. They're following suit because they're they they become inspired with with this story to see that Dame has kept them in games and kept them in in series to prolong their. Uh, Pokes only improves their game, and now you're bringing on an addition like Carmelo Anthony, who's going to be a Hall of Famer, and what he can, what he's provided for them. I know it's it's probably minuscule compared to what uh, everyone else is doing, but it it makes it makes the team just that more wide open to have Melo off the bench. Um, I know you, I know you don't you're not feeling McCollum, but I feel like McCollum is is going to get. He's gonna get right. Um, I don't yeah, know. I, but I historically, in the playoffs, McCullum has always been like McCullum, and just to, to a lot of extent, Lillard has been have have not come through in the playoffs in the past. Like Lillard, Lillard playing the way he played out, he's playing in a bubble is 
especially in the playoffs, is not something that has been historically the thing that he's done. Like he's 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 not shown up in the playoffs in the past. So like that's why I guess this is such a big story because he's now he's playing like everybody expects him, or he's playing on a level that the potential, like his potential is meeting his his work ethic. So it's showing out. But like normally they get to the playoffs and like they they barely make it past the first round. You know, it, I mean, it's they a, were the it's final a, seed to begin with. So like they were the final, like they were the bottom of the the West. So right. I don't understand why everybody's like thinking that, oh, man, this is like some March Madness shit. Like, oh, number 16 about to shock number one. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Well, yeah, yeah. I, it's, 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 it's an amazing story. I think that they are about three pieces away from being an actual contender in the West. Like, I think Lillard is a good piece. I like the Camelo Anthony story. Um, I thought Hassan Whiteside was a good addition. But he doesn't always show up, which is why he got traded in the first place, you know, from from the Heat. So it's like you you had the pieces. He you had his ass off last night. I mean, yeah, but like one game in a seven-game series, like I didn't think the Lakers were going to sweep, but I also didn't think they were going to take him to seven. You know what I'm saying? I think they might go to five at this point, and like we'll see what happens. Like if you give me, if you give me the option to take playoff Dame or play on LeBron, I'm taking playoff LeBron every time. Like play of LeBron is a whole. Yeah, I would piece. too. I I would too. I'm just saying. I, I I feel like he's. I feel like Dame is on another level this year. Uh, it, 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 he's been clutch, and and the Blazers have been have barely made it past the first round, and he'll probably barely make it past this first round if any, if anything, if they do if they do make it to seven games, he'll barely get out of it. But when he does, I think he's a force to be reckoned with because. The other teams in the West, I don't think – I don't know about Houston. Houston just always comes up short in the, in the Western Conference Finals. Um, well, Harden I comes think the short. Clippers are a little weak. <laughs> well, yeah. I think the Clippers are weak pieces. Um, and, you know, we'll see about Denver and uh, um, and Phoenix. Uh, no, I'm just playing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I might I even, you know, it's weird because I'm not even really counting Denver or Utah to go further than what they're going to go. I'm like, or the Mavs, really. Like, I think all those teams are like, they're pretty interesting to have in it, but like, just for the storyline and the sake of the bubble. But we're really talking about three teams here. We're talking about Houston, the Lakers, and um, uh, crap. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And we're talking about we're talking about three teams give or take like it's not it's not a lot of teams that are playing in this bubble that are going to make it really far you know and I mean even the thunder like they were like a big story like Chris Paul going to the thunder and not giving up like you know the big story when he went there was like was he even going to play and then he went up there and he put up numbers and it's like all right well yeah clearly he's playing so like and he cares yeah, but, but he like, can't he can't do it himself and that's the thing like so, Portland like, are relying on Dame to do it by himself and to motivate. Oh, and Dame ain't Michael Jordan. Like it's just, it's just he's not. They're not running the triangle. Like I don't think they're relying <laughs> on Dame. I don't think they're relying on Dame to, to 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 do it. I think that's been the history because um, they're really that's really what it boiled down to. But so, like I said, I think. Yeah. 
his mode of thinking has changed. And I think the way that they're playing in the bubble right now is a lot different than how they played in the past. You also have to consider this. A lot of these West Coast teams who are playing in the bubble have not traveled, and they're playing in the exact same place for the entire duration of these playoffs. So they are not yeah. tired. That's they're what Adam Silver was talking about. They're playing in the same place every time. It's like, to them, it's like almost that a change, home game that changes every time. Whole, that changes it changes an entire narrative energy. for all of the Western Conference teams. So I think Dame. Yeah, because there's no home court advantage this year. You yeah, home I just went for yeah. all the teams. You don't have to travel. You don't have to travel anywhere. You don't have to travel up and down the East Coast for all the teams. There's no, there's no home court advantage this year. You yeah, go back to your room. So it's like playing rec ball. Like, you yep. you know, you're playing rec ball, basically. So we'll just and have to see how that plays out. Like, I it's the West Coast teams who have to travel to earlier time zones. Right. <laughs> Everybody's been living in the same time zone for like the last three weeks. So it's like, you know, right. you, you just get adjusted there to where nothing, you are. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I think big up to Dame and what he's doing. Uh, it's, it's really impressive. Carmelo as well, the storyline behind those two. But, you know, I don't think they win this series. I think they have to do some retooling for next year as well. Um, and the last story, to wrap up the NBA portion of the show, uh, Raptors president, Masai Ujiri, Ujiri? Uh, they, they showed Ujiri. the, they showed the tape. Yeah, Ujiri. Yeah. They showed the tape of the altercation he had with the police officer. He um, wasn't even a police officer. He was a security guard. Even worse, because he didn't even have a gun. So it's like, Are you okay. sure? I no. think it might have been a police officer a working police security. Officer. Yeah, it was a police yeah, officer. It looked like an it officer. It was a cop working security. The actual officer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on, like, I mean, I saw I saw two videos. I saw the video of the actual body cam, and then I saw the video of Cal Lowry pulling um, the jury through the crowd, you know, when they realized, and I guess when they realized who he was. There's you know, three videos. There's, I only saw two. I didn't see the, the third, third. The third one is the one that was taken from the uh, camera. That's the, and you can actually see the police officer watching Ujiri walk from the crowd all the way up to him. He had his eyes on him the whole time. He was ready. He was he ready. He was to, talking to another guy, to, like saying something. Like, yeah. He he was ready. He was ready to shove him before he before he even made his his way over towards there. I, I, someone's, I heard someone say that they believe that that police officer was a Warriors fan and he was just pissed off. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting so, I mean, take on it. Kind of, yeah, angles. I mean, the, 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 the biggest thing that um, I've really heard was, um, I forgot who he was. I think it was Van Fleet. They asked him about it and he was like, you know, luckily he has the money to battle this because think about the people that this happens to and they don't have, you know. That's what Ujiri said too. He said the same yeah, thing. I mean, it, he it, said, unfortunately, just, the only reason why I can get out of this because I, I have a lot of money. Like he, well, know, I mean, not, he not even the, not even the cameras though. Like not even the proof of the cameras. No. Yeah, but if, no, we, if, we don't if, know if Ujiri, how many times have we seen a video and nothing happens? If Ujiri wasn't, I'm playing devil's advocate. Who he bro. was? <laughs> if he was, if he was just like. If he was just like a towel boy or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. still worked for the Raptors and was yep. a towel boy, they they he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to take this. To court. I got I got they one. They would just say, part. "Oh well, he's he was he was he was a police officer doing his job." I got one even worse. 
they could because we haven't even begun this whole trial aspect to even know how it's going to play out. They could say that is inadmissible. Well, and then, like, you know that the, the police videos? officers, the police officer filed a lawsuit against right. him. He was the first one. That's why he this whole thing came about. That's why the, that's why the body cam right. footage is like a big thing because he filed a complaint or whatever. And then they were like, wait a minute, bro. Like we got footage of you actually being a start of the altercation. Yeah. Like he, they say, he, he said that, that he, yeah, he said that Jerry harassed him. Right. And they're like, whoa, so, wait a minute. So shout out to Brian Windhorse because he actually was talking about this earlier. And I saw him say, he said the thing that made, he knew within 12 hours they had, they had this footage. They'd just been sitting on this footage. So they knew already that he had shoved him first. It was just a matter of he presented a lawsuit even after having this footage that I'm going to try to get paid off of this. And then secondly, he was like, like Brian, Brian Windhorse said, there's a special kind of credential you need to be on the floor, especially at that time. When right. About and that's what he was pulling out of his, uh, pulling out of his jacket. And, they, and, and Brian said he walked on the floor and they, nobody bothered him. That's what he said. That's the thing that kind of made him kind of like, y'all harass this dude, but nobody he was targeted, man. Yeah. Nobody yeah. was targeted. He said he was targeted because he was black and yep. it just, it that. just looks like he was targeted because he was black, a black man in a suit reaching into his jacket for a lapel that clears him to be on the floor and you still get into altercation with a police officer for whatever reason. Yeah. Like if he was mad because your team, like if you, if you use the narrative that he was mad because the Warriors lost to the Raptors that day and your guys pulling out a credential, that means you know that dude is a part of that organization, right? Like you would have to know he's a part of the organization, which means That's what I'm you're saying. already in front of You're not going to put on a suit to try to sneak down to the trophy presentation just to get in the photo op. You, yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're going to be in regular clothes and you're going to try, no, 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 that's my brother. You know, that, you're just not going to be fully dressed, but that's a whole different angle in itself that we can explore. But nah, none of it makes sense. But it, does it ever make sense is the question. No. <laughs> never makes sense. <laughs> like it never makes sense. Any type of like nope, sure does. Like nope. police brutality or you know somebody feeling like they have the right to treat somebody wrong, it yep. never makes sense to anybody. Uh, I'm just glad that they had the footage to to kind of yeah. clear the story and tell the story in full, as opposed to us just getting pieces of it and then. And I'm glad it didn't turn out to be something more tragic because usually these stories end a lot more tragic than somebody just getting shoved. So. You well, know, I, yeah, so the thing is, I don't know if everyone listening to this will understand the perspective. I mean, we got four black guys sitting here. The thing is, is this mentality of this officer is the exact same mentality that's getting black men killed, and men and women killed in the streets uh, by police. I mean, yeah. it was a mentality where this guy has some kind of authority and he's just going to take it and he's going to abuse it and he's going to just push himself on somebody without reason, cause, or anything. This guy is clearly, he's the president of the team. He just won the championship. He's clearly authorized to be down there. Um, so you didn't check, ask for a credential. You didn't do anything. You're shoving and you're pushing and you're telling him he's not going to go out there or whatever he's saying. Right. Um, it, it's the same, and it's the same thing. This guy, this same guy, if he's in a traffic stop or whatever he's doing on the street, that mentality could get somebody killed. Um, and it has the same mentality. It has gotten yeah. a lot of black people, women and men, killed 
senselessly and it, it has to stop. The buck has to stop somewhere. Like, and it's just sad that it takes, you know, this outcry and it takes footage now to like tell the story because people will lie and say that they were, they were, they were victimized. Like he basically said he was the victim, you know, and had there not been any footage of it, it would be his word against the jury's word. And then it becomes like this whole, this thing where like the justice system might not treat it fairly based on one guy being an authority and one guy not, you know, and then you, you, you weigh in color as well. So it's, I'm glad that they had a footage. I'm glad nobody really got seriously hurt in this instance, but we have, we all know too many stories of it ending more tragic than this. And it's usually us being the victims, like us black people being the victims of it. Times are changing, man. Times are changing. We're starting to see a lot of change. We're starting to see a lot of white, white people are starting to get fired. They're starting to get arrested. They're starting to serve time. And we even, we, we even as black people, we haven't even like begun the fight. Like the, the riots, we didn't, we didn't even start riots. Right. Imagine if the black people and the black militias come out and we start a fucking war. They, they don't think that we're capable of it. They, they, what they don't realize is we're being really nice right now. <laughs> This been is nice for four hundred nice. years. <laughs> we've been nice for four hundred years now. We've slaughtered uh, many of y'all. Yeah. So we have slaughtered y'all, but for good reason. But for good look, reason. <laughs> time, times are changing. I'm just saying, time, times are changing. Yeah, I, I mean, to take, an extent. I don't think times are changing. Extent. I think they're just being documented. Well, yeah, and and they're being yeah, documented as a result of it. We're starting to see. We're starting to see questions yeah. being answered. Yeah. Finally, like our questions oh, yeah. are finally starting to be yeah. starting to be answered. Shout yeah. out to Kamala Harris, yeah, BB Baby candidate, <laughs> former uh, cop. Yeah, that's a, that's a change right there. That's a that's a big one. <laughs> you saying something? Trey? Oh boy. Yeah. No. What I was going to say is that, um, you know, as much as I want to believe what John is saying, as far as the stuff changing, um, if you look back. How many false starts have we had with, oh, now things are getting different? Um, then you could say that on one hand, yeah, things look different. But on the other hand, we're having the same conversations with our kids now that our parents had with us and their parents had with them and their parents had with them. I mean, like, it's just I, I think that really more than anything, what's changing is how it's being packaged, what's what's socially acceptable as far as how you can say things, what you can do, you know, what's allowed to be said. But look, the 60s were different. They could outwardly just run out in the street and call you nigger, do whatever. Now they can't. But they still find their way to do it. They just have to change their method. But I don't think anything's really changing. I really feel it's a lot like like being a Redskins fan. You know, oh, this year is going to be our year. We got coach such and such now. We got this player. We got that player. And then the same thing shows up on the field. I really think that, you know, being a black man is like being a Redskins fan. I mean, now this is something that's way more serious to me than, you know, than than just, you know, your sports team winning. But, I mean, it's the same uh, kind of thing where you feel like, oh, this is the time. You know, now it's now it's now we've you know, now we're getting it. And. It's not really. It's just packaged. I, I don't. I'm, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say. First of all, um, I, I I disagree that 
us talking to our kids is like our and beyond that and or or before that and before that. I think us talking to our kids is us talking to the future. And what I mean by that is the the future now is that everything can be seen, like Jay said. Everything is now documented. Things weren't documented when our parents talked to us about that. Things were not, you could not see. White people couldn't see what we were complaining about. White people couldn't understand why we were, com- why we were always complaining. The fact that it's documented now, white people can see that. And the biggest thing that I've noticed from white people is that don't want to be labeled as racist. They don't want to be labeled as racist because they know what the repercussions are. So they are bending over backwards and they are trying hard to not be a Karen or not be that white person. So now we're finally, we finally have maybe a fraction of support. I'm not saying that what's happening now is the change that we need. All I'm saying is this is baby steps. This, I feel like, is a turn that's going to change things for the next 15, 20 years. We're going to start to see, look, technology is only going to advance even more. Reality uh, uh, eyeglasses now. Imagine if somebody comes out with a virtual reality thing where that you have to play a black guy being pulled over by a white cop. Like imagine if a white guy had to, had to actually go through that, like in the next 20 years, how, how advanced that's going to be. You know what I mean? Like what, what's going to happen when white people finally have to deal with what it is that we're, we're dealing with? What if they become an experiment? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just think that with the advancement of technology, there are so many more new ideas and opportunities for things to start changing. We didn't have that before primitive. And even before that, there was no technology. So the technology that we had growing up, we didn't have camera phones. We weren't, Rodney King wasn't able to videotape himself. Luckily, somebody did. What happened? Nothing. There was no outcry. Why? Because it was just one, one camera. But now you got people who are literally on the street and whenever a police officer pulls any black person over, the phones come out. And if a Karen comes out and starts cursing at a black person and it calls him a nigger, guess what? You go to Facebook, you find out where that, where that Karen works and you go to that employer and you say, is this the type of person that represents your company? And what is her ass? And she's unemployed. So this is all like going to stir into something even bigger in, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. I, I, I can just see it. I can just see somebody inventing or creating something that's just going to make it a turn for the better for black people. Sorry to make it so political. Uh, let me let me ask you this question, though, because we all are parents to black kids. Uh, and does it change the conversation that you have with your son or your daughter when they go outside though. Like I'm thinking like we, I mean, 
my daughter's 17 and you know, she's, she's seen like the internet exposes everybody at this point. Right. So like she's seen everything that you could see. And the reality of it is when she goes out into the world, camera or not, people see her as a little black girl. So they treat her a certain way based on that. So does the conversation change on how we talk to them to go out? I remember the conversation my mom and my dad had with me when I was like, hey, like, look, you're going outside, you're 16, 17 years old, make sure if the cops tell you to do X, Y, and Z, that you always show your hands and you don't, you don't make any sudden movements. You still have to have that conversation because camera or not, cops are still killing black kids. Like, they, they, they will kill, like, and they will, they will use the excuse that they fear for their lives based on the actions of what your child did. So do you, you don't change the story. You don't change the narrative that you tell your kids or what you tell them to protect themselves, right? So it, it becomes like a cameras, ca- I think cameras and like people having all this technology and it's great because it exposes the truth about how people, how, how sinister people can be especially when they're in a position of power and you give them a gun. But it doesn't take away the fear factor that you can send your kid out into the world and they might not come back. So what do you tell those kids? You know what I'm saying? Like we, I mean, I I think I got teenagers. I got a teenager. Jay, you got teenagers. Like did the story change for them? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, does it, does it change at that point? No. I mean, just to be honest with you, they, have because we have all been a teenager at some point you think you know it all no matter what your guardian adult mother father tells you you think you know it all therefore you have a sense of invincibility Mm -hmm. so no matter what i say no matter what i tell you that I think you should do in this scenario if this happens with this person, officer, who, who, whoever it is, you still have a mentality of self that he don't really know what he's talking about because I can do this. And then it's not, it's not evident until it happens close to home. So your teenager is ultimately got to learn himself. Like you can drill it as much as possible, depending on how impressionable they are. You can drill it all day long. They still going to go out here and think it wouldn't happen to me because that's the way we all thought as teenagers. It mm-hmm. wouldn't happen to me. Yeah. Nobody's going like Tamir Rice. That's not going to happen to me. Like I live in, you know, I, I live in Maryland. I live in Fort Washington. I live in Kensington. That's not going to happen to me. I mean, obviously the internet, like you just said, has told so many different stories that again, they don't even have to listen to you because, oh yeah, I saw that story on Facebook. I saw that story on Instagram. So what you're saying to me, this generation is not listening to anyone. They just want change and equality on their own. And I don't think, I think they want to listen to our plans on how to get it, but I don't think they're going to listen to our plans on um, how to combat it. If that makes sense. Like it's just one of those Mm, I mean, I, I, I respect what you, I know what happened in the eighties and the nineties, but nah, we, we good. We're going to do it this way. Okay. <laughs> all right. Fine. I mean, like real talk, we all have, we, I think everybody on this podcast can tell a story of racial inequality or police 
misconduct. I can tell a story of privilege. Like I, I remember having a BB gun. I was uh, probably about 11 years old. I had a BB gun. Someone had called the cops. The cops rolled up on me, guns drawn. I really think about like when I think about as an adult, like, yo, I could have been shot had this been a different area. Yeah, had this been a different day and time, had it been a different officer. All they did was put me in the squad car and take me home and, and basically had my, my mom and my grandmother yell at me because they were like, yeah, he's got to be more careful than this. I didn't know any better, of course. I'm, I'm walking around with a BB gun at the park. And I never forget, like, all my friends was like, yo, they're coming for you. Like, they jumped out the car, guns, guns pointed right at me. Like, what did I do? You could see it in my waistband because I, I had it in my pocket. Like, it was in my pocket. And it was like, yo, now they just shot a little boy in Chicago because he had a BB gun and he didn't even turn all the way around. That could have been me. Like the same, it's the same exact scenario. Mm -hmm. But because I was in a different area, I was in Fort Washington at the time, not in Southeast, not in, you know, not in DC period. Like, um, nah, that doesn't happen out here in PG County, you know, certain areas of PG County. So this has got to be an anomaly. So they didn't actively you know, like act on their instinct to like, that's a threat, but they don't know. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about like, like I said, your, your children are going to just take it as it won't happen to me until it happens to them or someone very, very close to them. You know, honestly too, like just to, just to wrap this up, cause I know we're going kind of long on this. You also were in a situation where I don't, I don't know what the cops that came to your situation, black or white. I, that I can't recall. I feel like it was, I feel like it was one in one. I feel like I had one, one black officer, one white officer. That's what I feel like. So like at the end of the day, in the neighborhoods that we grew up in, the neighborhoods, the people who police us, I know I grew up in Southeast Anacostia. Every cop I saw was black. Right. So, and they grew up in the same neighborhood. So they knew a lot of the people that grew up in the neighborhood. Even, even some of our friends now that live in the neighborhood who are cops grew up in the neighborhood. So it's like police policing themselves or uh, neighborhoods policing themselves in regards to who they put in place. Like every once in a while, you'll see like a sprinkle of like a white person on a bike or some stuff like, but most part it's like, it's mostly black cops policing these black neighborhoods. We don't, we don't live in the cities where that happens that often. Like it, we, I think in DC, especially it's kind of fortunate that the, a lot of the police force are African-American or people of color. And in those people police those neighborhoods. So we, we, we have a, the benefit of the doubt of being policed by our own kind of people. Um, and I mean, you know, it just being in DC in general, I think that the temperament is a little different um, than other cities, but that's not to say that it should be overlooked or uh, it should be overlooked or just like discounted for other cities. So, you know. So, so yeah, when I was growing up, PG County had a problem. Uh, we had white police officers and it was definitely a big problem. Um, and PG County, uh, police were known for, uh, misconduct towards, you know, young blacks and stuff like that. So there, I mean, there was a lot of documented cases. There was even, um, my dad was on a council, uh, that they had to form to deal with, to just hear all the citizen complaints. They had to actually appoint a council to listen to all the citizen complaints about the police. Um, so yeah. You know, we're talking, we're talking. 10 minutes difference, right? Like PG County being separate from DC, any any ward of uh -huh. DC is about 10 minutes. Like 
You know, it's so yeah. it's like it the stories yeah, we it. all have different yep. stories. Like it's you know what I'm saying, like and it's it we all these stories need to be heard to protect our children and protect our future. So, you know, I I think I think at the end of the day that the, the body cams, like John said in the beginning, is a is a very crucial piece of evidence and protection as a whole. We can't get past it unless we have it. And I think it has the, the mentality has to change. Like as John said as well, like if people change the way they think and start thinking all inclusive, then people will stop getting hurt. So um on that note we're gonna take a quick break and be back. Uh this is sports and things and we'll be back. Hey family I want to let y'all know how to find us online and get the latest updates. Here's the rundown. On both Instagram and Facebook, it's Sports and Things. That's spelled S-P-O-R-T-Z underscore A-N-D underscore T-H-I-N-G-Z. Sports and Things. On Twitter, it's at IsSports. That's spelled I-Z S-P-O-R-T-Z Be sure to click the like button and the follow button too And now, back to today's episode And welcome back to Sports and Things I'm your host Dennis Turner With me I have John Lane, Trey Ely, and Jay Hill Um, We're going to get right back into this this show Um, John Lane has a a, a new game for us to play Yeah, I just want to lighten things up a little bit Since that was pretty uh, (laughs) Pretty dark Pretty, pretty, pretty serious and uh, deep conversation that we just had. Um, so the name of the game is it's called, called Sports in Things. <laughs> yeah, it's called Arithmetic or Stat Line. So I'm going to give you guys three numbers, and you have to guess whether it's grade school arithmetic or if it's somebody's playoff NBA stat line. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Lonzo is well, not I'm in the give playoffs. You four sets so. of numbers. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm, I'm game. Do we All just right, are we, we just are we just blurting out answers? Or are we just? I mean, yeah, just one of, you know one at a time. Just okay. You know, All right, okay. Tell okay. me what you're. I'm, I'm hoping my audio is not going to break up too much, but here we go. One and two and two. Is that arithmetic or is that an NBA stat line? That's a stat line. That's arithmetic. That's a stat line. Jane be the deciding factor. I'm going to go to stat line. That is a stat line. That's one of the Lakers, ain't it? That is the Miami Heat. One point, (laughs) two assists, two rebounds, almost 13 minutes played. Who was this? Derek Jones. Derek Jones Jr. from the Miami Heat. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Here we go. 22, 13, and 12. Okay. That's, that's stat line. That's stat line. This is triple LeBron. double. That sounds like LeBron. No, LeBron's were bigger than that. Uh-uh, had, not, not the first. Uh-uh, he had a, he had a, that was LeBron. No, LeBron had something like 25, 16, and 17. Not, no, like no, no, no. 17 rebounds. He, he, had a, he had a 21-point game, like, at one point. Like, it was it – was, it He was, didn't it was, have that. Those weren't, those weren't his numbers. No, that is arithmetic. 
No one fucker. had those numbers. <laughs> no one yeah, had those numbers. LeBron had 17 rebounds and 16 assists, man. Not not today, he didn't. No. Well, <laughs> and not and not the day before. <laughs> he did. Okay. Keep going, John. This All is, right, here we this go. is interesting. <laughs> 21, 5, and 9. 21, 5, and Uh-oh, 9. That's is that like arithmetic? That do sound like James Harden. <laughs> Twenty one. That sounds like James Harden today. <laughs> Forty one. Five and nine is James Harden. No, no, no. I think I think that sounds like James Harden today. I'm gonna go arithmetic. Okay. Trey and Dennis got it right. That is James fucker. Harden. <laughs> Thirty six minutes James played. James Harden. Thirty six uh, minutes played. They need a stat line for defense. Oh, hey, hey, Don't hey. Do that. that was the uh, five. <laughs> and finally, our final one is zero, one, and zero. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's oh, a man. stat line. That's a arithmetic, bro. That's a stat line. I want to know whose it is, though. We won't know because Dark House got John again. <laughs> 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 Wow, oh, he's gone. He's literally gone. Oh man! Wow, what a Y'all cliffhanger! What wow. a cliffhanger, man! No Jesus, kidding. no kidding. Oh, wow. all right. Find out on the you next episode. <laughs> <laughs> we have to come back to that one. Next episode. All right, so I guess we move on to <laughs> one and zero. It's John's Wi-Fi. Right, that's the binary code. That's the binary code. That's the binary code. No wins. One loss. He's gone. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> no draws. John's right. Wi-Fi. Zero, one, and zero. So, uh, all right, let's move on to the end things portion of this show. Um, well, hold up. The end things thing was John's categories. He was the who's the real king of rock and roll. Uh, let's forego that question and let's ask, what's your favorite music, uh, favorite decade of music? Um, and let's start with Trey. Um, I'll have to go with the seventies because that was kind of, uh, the, for me, the kind of the, maybe not the birth, but that was kind of like the surgence of soul music. Um, so I'll go with the seventies. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say that the, the, the birth of soul music would probably be like the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. But But, like kind of, it's, it like surged like into the seventies. For sure. Uh, Jay Hill? Well, I think it changes as you grow, like as you mature. Because initially I would say the 90s, but then as I got older, I got to appreciate more of the 70s. So, like, at first it was one of those, like, nah, the 90s is, is the shit. You know, like New Jack Swing, R&B, all that shit was was popping, rap and all that stuff. So, but then as you get older, you like, I don't know if I really want to hear that. And then you appreciate where they got the sound from. So I would, I'm going to jump on the 70s train as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been old since I was young, so. Right. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little left and say the 80s for me. Um, mostly because of the producers that came out of the eighties and a lot of them had, uh, remnants of the seventies music on them, but you had the added 
uh, of the synthesizers and the drum machines, like my favorite producers were uh, and are uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. It could happen to be some of my favorite producers um, in terms of music and how they created music, how they had so many hits for so many artists um, during the 80s. They kind of like ran the 80s. Them, Jimmy uh, and uh, Teddy Riley, you know, they all kind of like had, um, uh, <laughs> they all kind of um, had like this, their own sound. Like you had Teddy Riley with the New Jack Swing and, you know, you couldn't deny Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis for any hit, you know, they had in the, uh, in the eighties, you know, um, with new edition or Janet Jackson or whoever. So I would say the eighties, like I'm, I'm a fan of the seventies as well, but like the music that had the biggest imprint on me, um, in terms of like how I, I, I listen to music and how I appreciated it would be the eighties. Um, and I think John's trying to come back in. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I was on, I was on, and then it said the host, the host canceled, uh, closed the meeting. I'm like, what the? F-? I did nothing. Uh, you froze up and then you disappeared. <laughs> you said zero ones up. That was it. <laughs> that was it. We said that was a stat line for your Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so hold up. You win, Trey. You win, Trey. What was the answer? What was it? What was it a stat or arithmetic? That was one? a st- that was a stat line. That was uh this dude uh Nate who this dude named Nader, Abdel Nader, who plays for OKC. Wow. He got one assist in ten and a half minutes. <laughs> wow. Wow. I think you should have added the 10 in there first so we wouldn't get thrown off. Um, so since we got you back, John, we're, we're asking the question, your favorite decade of music would be? The 80s. Boom. Hands down. The 80s. Um, I'm not an 80s baby. I'm a 70s baby. But I, as a developing, a child with a developing mind, man, listening to the type of music that I was hearing, whether it was like Madonna, The Police, um, uh, any sort of rap music, but I, I mean, I was, I was especially in love with metal music just because of the drumming style. Um, yeah, there was nothing, you know, nineties is a close second, but man, the eighties, eighties takes it for me. If I could go back to a decade, relive it all over again and be the eighties. All right. Well, so that's two for the eighties and two for the seventies. I think you can't go wrong with any of those decades of music. It was some really powerful songs being made in both of those those decades um, that influenced a generation, our generation, and the generations after us in, in, in music and how they approach music and how they, they just love music. So um, with that being said, we're going to wrap up this episode, how we wrap up every episode with Sports and Things Artists of the Week. And we will start with Jay Hill since he's on the curfew. <laughs> Appreciate that, sir. Um, <laughs> so I just watched a documentary the other day. I think it's actually from 2018, but I just I actually watched it the other day. I've been listening to a lot of Frank Sinatra. Like the, but there's different periods of Frank Sinatra, which is kind of interesting, which is what the documentary kind of goes through as well. But more importantly, the one with the full orchestration, when he was in that time frame, he was killing like i mean these it's not like big band but it's like full fledged sound 
you just sit wherever you sit. We're going to play all these strings. We're going to play all these horns. It is, it is beautiful, man. Like that dude had, he had like a presence about him in, in each song, which is kind of dope. And the songs weren't long either, which is also kind of cool. Like you getting back to that today, like they were like two minutes and out, like two and a half. We done. Oh, okay. So Frank Sinatra for me. Okay. Nice. nice. Uh, Trey? All right. So um, the person that I'm going to talk about is was actually uh, my um, jazz instructor. Um, and uh, he's got a new album out, and it's really – uh, really good album. Uh, it's a guy named Paul Carr. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, he, I you'd know him. He's a Howard guy. So yeah, um, he he's from Texas, uh, but you know he's you know Howard guy. So he's been up here for some time. He's te- he's taught a lot of people in this area as far as horn players, um, and he also runs a, a jazz academy. Uh, but yeah, his his new album uh, it's called The Real Jazz Whisperer. A uh, pretty funny title, but it's it's great music. I mean, it's a great music, um, and uh, and yeah, definitely check it out if you have it. It's, it's uh, straight ahead, you know, just straight swinging, but it's it's really good stuff. Okay, uh, John, um, I'm gonna go white, like Jay. I'm what? gonna go with. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go uh, with white. Steely Dan. Um, oh yeah, Steely Dan. I have a uh, an awesome story about Steely Dan. In two thousand and one, uh, they were up for album of the year against Eminem, and Eminem was making like it wasn't a comeback, but it was like one of his most anticipated albums ever. And Steely Dan um, just recorded their first album in like almost twenty years at that time, and. This was at the time where the Grammy committee was starting to retire because all these new young kids were coming in and they were voting for Justin Bieber and Eminem and all these, you know, Britney Spears and all the boy bands and stuff like that. And the old people were, you know, like, get off my lawn. You don't know anything about real music. And uh, so just to stick it to the young kids, they gave the album of the year to Steely Dan over Eminem, even though Eminem had already won like two or three Grammys that night. And they, they knew that he was going to take album of the year and Eminem was pissed. I mean, he was so pissed. As he does. <laughs> Steely Dan, if you don't know anything about them, they are a funk. They start off as a funk group in the seventies and um, throughout the eighties, they just, they just turned into a little bit more than just a funk, a funk group. They're just a down home phenomenal band. And they, they got very, a lot of music. jazz fusion kind of uh, uh, they do. influence and stuff. They do. Well, they have a lot of band. jazz fusion musicians who play who play their music. So yeah, there is a lot of jazz fusion influence in it. But um, you know, there are two guys from uh, New York, and they moved to LA, and they just that's all they talk about is what they see out their window in New York and what they see out their window in LA. Um, and they're just they're outstanding. So that's my artist of the week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to wrap up this, I would say my artist of the week is going to be pretty obvious. Uh, Jacko Pistorius. <laughs> uh, he had a record come out um, in 1982 called Twins um, oh, with yeah. his big band. Um, yep. I would 
any if you haven't heard any of Jacko's big band uh, records, mm-hmm. I would suggest that you guys go uh, check out Word of Mouth. They were, uh, you know, that was like his tour de force. He had an actual chance to like get out here and really compose and to write. Oh, compose and write same thing, but like to play with uh, his his tentacles extended. Uh, you know, um, so I would say check out that record. Um, you know, it's it's kind of bittersweet to talk about Jacko for me because of the way that his life ended. Um, but what he contributed to music for his time that he was here, you know, I, I think it's unprecedented. It hasn't been anybody um, on the instrument or bass guitar that has contributed more in such a short period of time. Um, sadly, his life was cut down um, because of, you know, drug abuse and uh just being in the wrong place at the wrong time and getting to an altercation with somebody. Say, he, it, it was, it yeah, was a combination. He, he ends up getting trampled or something. Like, it was, like, just so uneventful. Yeah, it was, he got it his was ass pretty Yeah, he got put on his head, basically. And it's, it's it's just a sad way to end such a such a promising musician. And, you know, he, he gave so much to the to the, to the the art and to what he, what he wanted to do. Um, I think one of the saddest moments I've seen for him was, uh, I mean, I don't know if, I know John has seen it. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but like he did a uh, he did a, a instructional video like eighty five, eighty six, and you know they 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 have the instructional video going up and they show him stringing his bass up and they playing some music of him playing in the background and the guy who's interviewing him I can't remember the guy who interviewed him. But I think he was a bass player too. He says, uh, you know, you're you're you know people consider you to be the greatest bass player, arguably one of the greatest players, greatest bass players on the planet. What do you say to those people? You know that you know that have such esteem for you. And he says, "Give me a gig," because nobody would hire him. Because at that point, his reputation was so trashed that he couldn't even get work in the city. Yeah. So it's like you know, the dude was living in in, the, in, the, in parks and had his base stolen a bunch of times. And there's a documentary of him on I think on Showtime um, that kind of stems off the book that they wrote about Jacko. Yeah, it's a Netflix. I don't know if it's the same one. It, it maybe it's one on Netflix. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if it's the same one. They did a couple on them, and I know one was on uh, one was on Netflix and one was on Showtime. But if you get a chance to listen to listen to the music and you know, just check them out. Like it's it's some beautiful pieces. He's a he's a beautiful player, man, and you know, he changed the way that people approached and heard bass guitar, especially electric bass, uh fretless bass. So that's my pick of the week. So uh, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for joining us. I am Dennis Turner. Um, this is Sports and Things. Uh, Trey Ely, John Lane, and Jay Hill. Um, want to thank you guys for listening. Also, subscribe where you can subscribe. Uh, uh, I what is it at IZ Sports on Twitter and at Sports and Things at Sports underscore and underscore Things on Instagram. And check us out on all the podcasts. Uh, any place you can check out podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, we're on all of them. Um, yeah, and then, you know, check us, just hit us for questions or anything, DM anything. We, we're all open. And Go Caps. Oh, wait a minute. Ooh, wait a minute. <laughs> go home? <laughs> go home? Yeah, go home, Caps. Yeah, go, go home. home. Yeah. So, yeah. so this has been Sports and Things. Until next time. Peace. <laughs> Holla. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. We got the vibe on deck, bro.
bro Four dope brothers talking sports, so let's go If you could just imagine some dudes into music Get together to talk trash about whose team is losing So here we go, Deke Turner, John Lane, Trey Illy Jay Hill, the MVP, court in the history So now what, they got they mics and gizmos Podcast rapper for DC, what it is, mo Yeah, we talking sports and things From rookies who ball to vets who about to get more rings Plus more things, like a jam session or something Then we beefing cause our favorite team, John like slumming John like pumping over podcasts and steady every O. You want more than that whole hum, so here we go. Yeah, we go from bars to beats to podcast or Astro Turf with balls and cleats like that, y'all. Talking sports and things, talking sports and things. Priest the Nomad, uh, talking sports and things. We're talking sports and things. D Turner, John Lane, talking sports and things. Baby, we're talking sports and things. Trey Illy, Drake Hill, talking sports and things. Talking sports and things. DC, baby. Thanks for listening to Sports and Things featuring John Lane, Trey Ely, Jay Hill, and Dennis Turner. Be sure to follow and subscribe for our upcoming episodes. You can also reach the team on Instagram at S-P-O-R-T-Z-A-N-D-T-H-I-N-G-Z and on Twitter at I-Z-S-P-O-R-T-Z. 